recording. Right, there we go. Uh, and um, this afternoon, uh, we're talking to Stuart Rutherton, and uh, Stuart is going to tell us all about uh, policing of the Flower Parade. Stuart, I, how many years were you involved in the Flower Parade? And Well, I came to Lincolnshire Police from Leicestershire in 2001, um, and the then Inspector of the Day... Um, asked if I would um, look after the or organise the policing of the event from the 2002 event and I didn't know how long this was going to be for I thought, thought it was for the one year and then somebody else would do it but I obviously did too good a job because <laughs> it then stuck with me for about 10 or 11 years Yes. Um, with the final parade I think occurring in 2013 which was the year I retired so it was a very, very, how can I put it, um, sort of slimmed down version uh, in 2013 of both the event and the policing of it. And um, I didn't really have an awful lot to do with it because it virtually coincided with my retirement day. So, right. oh. um, but, but, but certainly prior to that, every single year, um, I was involved in organising the policing operation for the event. Um, and was it a lot of work to, to, to make it happen? Yes. To, to very much so. Very so it was much a big so. part of your job then was preparing. It was. Right. And when did you start? It was. It, yeah. Well, it was twelve. It was twelve months in the planning because you see, because of the number of officers, both at the very outset and throughout the ten or twelve, ten or eleven years I did it. You know, you weren't just talking about you know twenty or thirty police officers. You know, you were talking about um, certainly when I was doing it. 150, 200 police personnel, and that included frontline uniform officers, it included special constables, PCSOs, PCSOs, dog patrols, traffic officers, motorcyclists, cell units, because of course, and you'll obviously ask me about this, it seemed to be an inherent yearly issue that certain individuals saw it as an opportunity to cause trouble on the day rather than enjoy the event. Um, and so, you know, we had to cancel what we call rest days, Jeff. Yeah. So you couldn't just turn around and say, right, tomorrow we've got a parade. Um, I need all these officers. Let's just sort it. You had to cancel rest days. And it was a 12-month planning operation. So really a very, very big event for the police force. And the, yes. the, the price tag that went with it was a reflection yes. of, of, of that effort, wasn't it, really? Yes, yes. And if you looked at... In the early days of the parade, Jeff, when you talk about 1959, I think was the first one, you know, you look at the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, when, you know, costing for police wasn't such an issue. Right. You know, it was seen as a community event that had to be policed. And you'd, you'd have a briefing down at the old bulb auction. Yeah. Where you'd fill the hangar there with police officers. And I mean fill it. Oh, really? So you'd probably have three to four hundred um, and of course, this is before you know money came into uh, careful consideration. Um, a police officer, as you well know, doesn't come cheap. No, that's right. Um, you know, and when you've got 150 to 200, then you know there is going to be a, a bill attached to it. Albeit, we feel that uh, as a police organisation, we um, you know bent the rules a little bit. We, we we understood that this was not really a profit-making event as such. And uh, that was reflected in the costings. Yes, it's it, and 
the the amount of policing that you had to to put on what what sort of activities did you have to police i mean give us a a sort of an idea well, okay well then let's look at the event the preparation on the day mm -hmm. you'd be looking at officers starting duty for a brief and i used to do the briefings or most of them you'd look at the first lot of officers coming on duty say at, at um, 11 o'clock um, the event normally kicked off around about quarter to two so we'd have officers on junctions we used to segment we used to sector off the route mm -hmm. and would have make sure that there's a uniform presence of some description in all these seg sectored areas and then of course la later on we had the issue of public order where you know those people that had, if you like come to see the event and had seen it pass by five o'clock six o'clock mm. there was then what we used to call the aftermath and it was the aftermath that took the abundance of rigorous policing um and effectively was you know it was post the event so yeah we 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 didn't expect the parade to pick up the tab for issues that were going on say at 10 o'clock at night yeah yeah um, uh, and so that's where the officers went. And, of course, in support of those officers, we had motorcyclists who could get around the junctions very quickly. Yeah. We had um, dog patrols to assist with the public order side of things at night. And then for many years, and David will tell you this, we used to hire in a cell bus. Spalding cells, which are closed now, only used to have about six or seven cells. That was not enough. So we used to hire in from Staffordshire Police a cell bus, right? Which, which was a bus. It was yeah. a converted bus that yeah. had something like ten cells in it with a booking in area, yeah. And we used, we used to get charged for it, and um, it was a valuable asset yeah. to increase our custody capacity, right? And and um, did, I, yeah. Did, were yeah. you responsible for the sort of communication on the day, so that you know, if, if a float, you know, fell over at one point? You were the communication yeah. to tell the organisers. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you did yes. all the the communication yes. back to the the the, the organisation yep. and, and. Yes, we had radio link. Um, David's team would have the same radios as us. Yeah, we would have a control room set up at Spalding Police Station, which I effectively ran. We'd have a senior command officer, who was generally a chief inspector or superintendent. And, of course, if there are critical decisions to make, that's when they would kick in. Otherwise, routine stuff, it would be down to me and looking at what resources were needed for the incident. If I felt that the headquarters at Lincoln needed to be aware of something which was not connected to the parade, mm. um, then we would let them take over. But people like, you know, collapses, you know, some 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 years it was hot weather, Jeff, Um you know, you're talking about fifty to hundred thousand people. There's going to be incidents, yes. and um, you know there was often breakdowns in the in the uh, parade itself that would cause a hold up. Yeah, um, I'll talk to you about some of the uh, hilarious incidents. I'm sure you'll want to ask me some of my, <laughs> my memories. Um, but you know, for the eleven years I did it, I deeply, deeply enjoyed it. I had a very good relationship, and still do with David Norton. Um, and we had to involve all the agencies. You know, it wasn't in the first instance, but certainly for the last six, seven years, we used to have a safety group, you know, and we used to discuss um, regular meetings, discussing, you know, some of the 
um, hazards, some of the risks. Um, we would have the fire brigade involved, we have CAS, County Armament Service, the council, um, you know, various people mm. were involved. <laughs> big event, big event. Yeah. When you looked at the... Um, the Because uh, I've been collecting pictures from from day one, really, I and... and it's been a fantastic response from the community to to give me all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, when you look at that, the informality of the early ones and then in the later sort of, in the sort of 2000s where it became very much uh, barriers and all sorts of yes. um, control. Yes, um, yes. Was that... Uh, a, because of, of of incidents, or was it perceived risk that you think it was it? Right. It, I, I think to be fair, generally speaking, the flower parade passed without significant incident, and I think that was the case for many many years. Sure. Yeah. You know, we don't consider a, a float breaking down or a lady collapsing because she's got a little bit of fatigue. You know, I'm talking about significant incidents. We never had a significant incident. Through a, certainly through the time I looked after it, which was a blessing. But I do think the, the, the setting up of the safety group was predominantly about perceived risk. You know, what could happen? What are we going to do if this happens? Yeah. What are we going to do in the event of this? You know, who's responsible for this? You know, and, and that's why I think it was a good thing that we were able to have these safety groups and meet and make sure that when we had the event on the day, we had considered everything. Yes, no, I can understand <laughs> that. Um, and definitely, you know, to, if you hadn't have done it you and something had gone wrong, then you would have been yes. called to question. And, and there's no doubt Absolutely about that. Absolutely right. Um, Absolutely right. It, it, but it is an interesting, it's an interesting perspective of, of where it is. And uh, I, in a lot of my time, I was... Uh, I involved in events in Rochester and, and yeah. very much a more relaxed atmosphere. But as you rightly say, the more uh, unpleasant part of it happened once the, the parade or whatever had finished and it became an yeah. evening event. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, the steady drinkers then laid into, uh, into yeah. it, which, which was a great shame. It was a great shame, you know, and whilst there's a lot of police officers probably enjoyed the what I used to call the second part of the event rather than the first part, right. you know, for me personally, it was a 12-hour day for me. Um, but then, you know, the next day I'd, I'd find out what had gone on the previous night, how many prisoners there were, yeah. what the prisoners were for. You know, there'll be sergeants out on patrol doing licensing visits to licensed premises. Yeah. You know, this is what I used to call phase two uh, of the operation. But, you know, I, I do think that by the end of this, the rain, can I call it the rain, mm. as folding flower parade, I think David would say the same thing, that we've got it about right. Um, we've got staffing levels about right. You weren't talking about 350,000 people that like you were probably talking about in the 70s and 80s. Um, I think, sadly, you know, if we reached 100,000 on a good year, that was as, as good as it got. But it's still a lot of people, Jeff, a lot of people. Yes. And <laughs> do, you, do you have a, um, 
or do you know whether it exists, uh, your estimates of people through the years at all? It's something I haven't found yet. And um, I, I think, and this is an approximation, I think in the early days of the Spalding Flower Parade, and I'm talking about the 60s, 70s, 80s, probably yeah. in the 90s, you would be talking about a quarter of a million people minimum yeah. coming into the South Holland area for the purposes of seeing the parade, looking at some of the other attractions that were connected to the parade. Um, Springfields became a lot busier. Of course, the shopping centre yeah. um, came about in 2000 and, oh, what was it, four or five, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it became, it became, I think, very much more common. And, and I think the numbers were very much indicative of perhaps, you know, the fact that maybe people who had seen the parade quite a few years running felt that, you know, that was it. Um, I know David and his team tried to alter the structure of the parade to make it a little bit more razzmatazz. I think one year we had a Caribbean carnival or Caribbean yeah. flow. You know, sometimes, Jeff, you know, it's like, you know, you need to start making changes um, to make it more attractive. Or different. <laughs> or different. Yes. Um, or different. Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very interesting. It's, uh, it's been... I, I found it quite interesting looking back through the, the uh, almost 60 years of, of paper that I've got and, and seeing how the changes have happened. And, um, you know, it is a, it is a... It was an institution... And it, you know, fantastic what it achieved, that's for sure. Oh, it was. Absolutely was. You know, and I think back, I was born in 1959, Jess, and um, I used to, I grew up on the Windsor Estates in Spalding. Oh, right. And okay. I, know, I know every year we would walk up as a family up, up Stonegate, yeah? Mm -hmm. And you would not be able to get onto um, Halmergate. It would be right, I don't know how well you know, I'm sure you know it very well, but years ago there was a wood business called Hortons. And just as you approach um, Halmergate from Stonegate, there's a, like a knuckle in the road. Right. It, would be that deep, it would be that deep with people. And oh. I used to sit on my father's head on, on his shoulders yeah, yeah. so I could see the parade. Now, in them days, this was when you would be carpet thick with people. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, that that diminished as, as years went on uh, and, you know, generally speaking, uh, around the route. And, of course, the route was changed on a couple of occasions, as you probably well know. Yep. Um, you know, you would still get a good view of the parade in, in the sort of latter 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, but certainly years ago, it was a massive event. Massive. And uh, sort of... Um the attitude of the community towards the police were they i guess in the yeah. main very supportive I very very supportive mm. and then don't forget 99% of these people came here with the best of intentions to have a good day yeah. and to just enjoy something which was which was fairly unique yeah. in the country there weren't many places that had this sort of street parade with so many of these things called floats when of course tulips were a, uh, were grown locally um, and the seasons were better for the growing of tulip heads, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, you know, the floats were literally, you know, dressed in flowers, 
as a traditional float was in them days. But yeah. of course, again, as time went on, difficulty with the weather, the climate, growing tulips that had to be imported, putting cold storage, etc., etc. So, yeah. um, you know, but yeah, it, it was, it was, um, I, th- I think if a lot of people, majority of people, they were sad to see it end. Um, well, that's the know. feedback we've got from uh, Facebook. You know, we've, we've asked the question on Facebook and, and people yeah. there are saying to us, you know, that's really sad that it's no longer um, available yeah. and they, people would like it back. Uh, or, or some form of it back, and, and that—that's yeah. what we're trying to see if that's possible or not. Yes, yes, I, I would support that. I do think there's a—it's a generational um, event, isn't it? You know, the likes of—you um, know—can I say people who are fifty or more perhaps would would embrace it a lot more than say youngsters in their twenties, who frankly would sooner seize the opportunity of going to the punch bowl public house for the day. Or, or to the Lincolnshire Poacher Pub, and then basically swigging beer and piggyback in the event as a result. You know, um, I've got no issue with that. I've got no issue with people having a good time and having a drink, but I do think the event was piggybacked by the younger generation who saw it as an opportunity to just go out in mass and uh, consume vast quantities of alcohol. i just seen uh, recently just... some pictures of, of outside the poacher. Uh, and... Uh, and uh... Uh, I was staggered. Uh, it it yeah. sort of brought back to me. My my daughter-in-law's a solicitor, and she said that yeah. she was surprised when she came to see it that there wasn't a, a public order thing stopping public drinking or restricting well, it to <laughs> not on the street. And, and uh, is it just so yeah. difficult to police? That you, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, of course, we had... Um, um, I can't remember which year it was now, but we had this no street drinking... Um, order in place. I was very much instrumental in bringing that in with the council. And um, but as you rightly say, you know, you're not talking about twenty or thirty people. You're talking about hundreds. And the poacher would have, is, at his capacity, as much as two thousand people stood on Double Street. Well, you know, if a quarter of those are drinking, you can't police it. No, because you know we allowed people to purchase alcohol from the pub and drink in the street because it was easier to allow it to happen than it was to stop it. Right. Um, the council allowed the grass there between hills or what was hills and and the pub to be used to put live bands on just to keep people entertained. So it was very much a containment operation yeah. and not one to enforce um, public order. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes, it's an interesting sort of perspective of, of that and it... it you know, I don't. I don't know how anyone is ever able to put that blanket on because it, it it would never happen. It would just go underground. It, it would be done if if people have the mind to do it, then they'll do it. You know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But but you know, it became part of the event. We pleased it quite heavy. Mm. We adopted a um, fair but firm approach, as you expect even today with policing. Although I have to say. I do feel sorry for the police in a lot of these demonstrations that are going on at the moment because I think they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. Um, and they're very much the whipping boys, I feel, to what's going on politically in society. So, But the event was 99 times out of 100, a pretty peaceful event and thoroughly enjoyable. Mm. Thoroughly. It's good, isn't it? I mean, that's, um, that's the hope. So sort of getting people to come and help you police it. Uh, from your own ranks wasn't a problem. You you know, people would 
it was a good day out and and uh, um, you did the policing, but there was the social bit that they could presumably buy into as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I had some officers who put the names forward every year to yeah. work it. Yeah, right. You know, they enjoyed it that much. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, a big, huge pool of people to choose from. I mean, we used officers around the force. Mm-hmm. Most of the officers we used for this event were from what we call the South. So I'd have officers from Grantham, yeah. Stanford, Bourne, Spalding. Yeah. Uh, and then the specialist officers, like traffic officers, motorcyclists, dogs would come from headquarters. But the predominant of what I call the foot policing was done by people from the south. Yeah. Um, and and it was it was um, you know it was it was a it was a it, it let me put it this way I didn't have sleepless nights but in this two or three weeks or month running up to the parade I had to produce what was called an operational order mm-hmm. and that would be a big document that would contain all the risk assessments all the staffing, where they were working, the briefings. It was a document which, you know, um, I was solely responsible for. Right. You know, and, um, yeah, it was a a big job. I enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it. Good. So, sort of, uh, most of the offences were just uh, misdemeanours in in that sense, uh, uh, drink-related or nothing more? Yeah. Uh, Nothing serious. I mean, we had an incident one year where I think about about we called it the change over time. Yeah. Sort of up past five to six o'clock when officers from the parade had done their duty, and then what we used to have the public order officers coming on. We had a bit of an unsavoury incident one year on New Road near the Punch Bowl where uh, a motorcyclist found himself literally trying to deal with an incident on his own, and sadly got his bike pushed over. Um, but support was fairly quick in arriving and um, mm. a number of people were arrested, but mainly just for petty drunkenness and disorder, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I mean, we sort of move on to what were the sort of things that you can remember from your highlights? You know, what were the highlights in, in the, the parade? Well, I suppose, I suppose the one that sticks out for me the most is... Um, uh, the year where I think, for whatever reason, the route had to be changed from what was the norm. Mm-hmm. And instead of sending the parade up Pinchbeck Road and then up West Ello Avenue and then Holbeach Road and then back to Springfields, yeah. we we sent it up Westlow Street right. uh, and then up um, Albion Street and over the Twin Bridges that way. And... I can't remember whether it was the year... Was it the year where that... Ah, the year when the parade was cut short and it finished at the back of what was Loaded Nightclub, I suppose, Street. Yeah. So it went around its normal route of Queen's Road, Almagate, da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. and finished up going into the back of Loaded Nightclub, which, of course, is the council car park, effectively. Yes, yeah. And it was a squeeze, Jeff. It was a squeeze. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, um, the owner of the nightclub, in his, in, 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 with the best of intentions, wanted to make the finale an attractive event, so put on one or two sideshows himself. Right. Uh, one of which was a bungee jump. 
<laughs> which was quite hilarious for the police officers who could see it from the police station. Yeah. And there was one year he organised a phone party. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately, I don't know whether there's too much foam or what, but at one particular moment in time, the whole of Westlow Street was engulfed in about four foot of foam. <laughs> and the officers were absolutely hysterical, as yeah. were most people. You know, it was just one of those things where, you know, everything done with the best of intentions <laughs> and, and all this all this foam, Jeff, was yeah. spilling out <laughs> from from the back of the all into Westlow Street and, yeah. the, and it was just hilarious. Yeah. But um you know, that was that. And then I think one year we had some event put on on Roman Bank. You know the land, which is, as you go down Roman Bank from Holbridge Road, yeah. go over the Lockgate Bridge, yeah. and then there's an area of grassland to the left-hand side. Yes. Well, David made good use of that one year, and we had, um, I think, a helicopter event with helicopters and something which um, I can't remember how that went now, but I don't think there's any major incident, but it, mm. it was just another little dimension yeah. um, to, to the event. Um, we had a couple of very interesting breakdowns where, you know, certain places you don't want anything to break down if you can help it. Yeah. And we had a breakdown on High Bridge, which, you know, caused a little bit of a bottleneck for yeah. quite some time. But, um, I can imagine. But, yeah, I, I, I think the foam on Westlow Street was the highlight for me. <laughs> That's uh, good, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're sort of thinking about what might happen in the future, and clearly probably the, the big events are probably ne something that we'll never, ever see again. We, we, we don't have the resources to put them on. Is, is there something that you would think would, would be a fitting thing to be in place of, of it, and maybe a smaller in size and, and something that would be an event that um yeah i mean i think, I think you've got to, got to try and do jeff if you and it is difficult is you've got to try and embrace the community as a whole you know you've got to look at the fact that spalding is now multicultural mm -hmm. uh you've got a uh, quite diverse ethnic mix here you've got yep. a population in south holland now of upwards of 68 to 70 000 people um, so I think you'd have to look at an event which didn't just attract, say, the elder generation, um, but attracted everybody. And that, that, of course, means you've got to put on attractions which are fitting with young people. Mm. Uh, so, but I do think there is, a, there, is, there is space for some sort of, I wouldn't say kind of, I don't want to use the word carnival, but something like that where maybe you've got music, You've got dancers, mm -hmm. you've got the visual impact of beautifully decorated floats or vehicles, um, you know, just a multifunctional um, type event. And, and, you know, I used to police Leicester many years ago as a sergeant, and, and every year in Leicester, and I think they still do, they used to have the Caribbean Carnival. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Now, again, yeah. it came with its problems, as you would expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Caribbean Carnival was all about noise, racket, dancing, singing, mm -hmm. music. It was just, you'd expect, as you'd expect. Yeah. It was loads of steel bands. It was yeah. a fantastic event. And I think Spalding could do, not another Caribbean festival, but could do something which would embrace 
you know, all the generations. Yeah. And I think it's possible. It's possible. Uh, do you have a... I mean, one of the struggles I've had uh, uh, is to uh, access the immigrant population and mm. to engage with them. Uh, one mm. of the things, I guess, most of them are probably first generation, so uh, they're, they're, they're trying to... Uh, keep themselves here rather than necessarily putting their their feet, you know, into it. And, and, yeah. And, and, but I've, I've really struggled. I'd love to, 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 to find a way of engaging with them and getting them involved in the community. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. And I think this has been one of the issues with policing over the last 10 to 12 years because, you know, we always say you've got second, sometimes in some cases, third generation of um, Central Europeans here now. Um, you know, they are very much bedded in, as it were, into our communities now. But I agree with you. It is very difficult to engage with a part of the community which, in their native land, probably isn't something they are accustomed to. Mm, mm. You know, I mean, I don't know what goes on in, in Krakow or places like that. I've not actually been to that place, but, you know, uh, they are people who have their own type of culture. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I know a family that live near me who are lovely people, but they don't like the idea of having grass lawns. They'll right. soon have gravel with pots on it. You know what I mean? It's all it's all yeah. different things. So if I agree with you. It is difficult to connect sometimes with these people. Um, you know, I suppose that's where you need your your key people within them, those communities who can, if you like, act as a bit of a bridge, who, who can help with, you know, trying to market it, as it were, yeah, yeah. to these communities. I mean, you know, it is difficult, very, very difficult. Yes, Very it's, difficult. It's, it's finding that way of trying to be able to do that would be really. Uh, I think it would it would help Spalding immensely if we could only find a yeah. way of doing it. And I, yeah, uh, and I don't. I know. mean, one of the things, Jeff, I suppose, one of the things, if you talked about a um, a parade, that's if you can't you know, keep mentioning the word parade because mm. you know we don't want to lose sight of what we have in history. Is you know maybe um, the Central Europeans could own. A few floats and, and make make it their own. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, as a part of the makeup, so that they don't feel isolated, and it's a way of trying to get that engagement going. I mean, you know, my wife's my wife is half Polish. Um, she loves to Polish shops because she likes certain parts of the cuisine. Yeah. So do I. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's just another way of connecting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. With something, you know, with something which. We never had up to what the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very difficult, though. I agree with you totally. It's, it's something we'd, we'd need to look at. You know, if we were to look at something in the future, that's definitely. Yeah, yeah that, would, that would that would seem to be a, a logical thing to try and do. I mean, what we sort of talked about is smaller events and more diverse around South Holland, so that it's not just mm. located in um, Spalding. Um, mm. Because uh, I, if I lived in South Sutton Bridge, 
mm. I would feel very disenfranchised because virtually mm -hmm. nothing happens there. Um, yeah. Uh, compared to, uh, to to Spalding and and to yeah. even that out across the county, sorry, the county, mm. the, con the council mm. would seem to be a, yeah. a a good thing to try and do. Yes, I mean, just on the back of that, Jess, you'll probably be aware that every year Eddie Pole, county councillor, used to organise the Molten Chapel Parade. Yep. Um, so, so Eddie would have a mini, a sub event, call it a sub event, mm. probably a day later, probably a day later, where you know he would have a mini carnival for Molten Chapel, and, yeah. and again, that used to be very, very popular. You know, you could have something in Moulton, you'd have something in Holbeach. Yeah. You know, we are a fairly big county and, and you know, South Holland is quite a big district. Mm. Um, but I agree with you totally. It would be good for some of these towns and villages to to be actively involved in making it a global event rather than just, oh, well, this is happening in Spalding and that's your lot. Yes. Mm. Mm, OK. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and, and explain uh, the policing side of it. Uh, as I say, I, I'm going through, as you probably saw, the list of people that hopefully I'm going to talk to. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's just going to be really interesting at the end of it. And, and hopefully, um, I mean, Nick Worth is interested in what we're doing. Uh, um our MP, uh, uh, John Hayes. John yeah. Hayes, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's interested in what he, we're doing. Uh, uh, and he has ambitions to, to recreate the whole big idea, but I, I don't know whether that's achievable or not. But um, So, yes, there is desire to try and do something different. And, and um, I only hope that, uh, you know, it will happen and people will engage with it. Uh, and we can yeah. get some funding just to seed corn it. And then yeah. it would then, once I think you got it seed corned, I think one of the other problems of the parade had was that there weren't very many ways of, of raising money from it. No. So it didn't, Quite be, right so. Uh, it didn't become self-sustaining. Um, no. And no. everything in the future, I think, probably needs to do that, which uh, yeah. is yeah. not easy. I, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, I'm I, yes, I did have... Um, 11 years in Leicestershire, where I lived in Melton Mowbray for 11 years um, in the 80s and, and into 90. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Spalding born and bred. You know, I'm, you know, my heart's in this place, you know, um, as it is with yourself, John Hayes and the council. I mean, it's, a, it's just slightly off the track here. I mean, I, I deal with, in my current job, whilst I still work at the police station I don't actually work for the police I work for County Chamber of Commerce that's right. the Chamber of Commerce, County Chamber of Commerce and I look after retail and the crime side and pubs oh, okay. which of course as you want to know some are reopening on Monday I mean I just what what saddens me Jeff is to see how South Holland and Spalding has sort of if you like took a nosedive in a lot of aspects of which years ago were the attractions you know you look at the town centre I stood in the middle of the marketplace on Saturday afternoon and I stood and just glared uh, I know it's Covid but the shops that were Covid or not were not open not like, and then I saw two 
the market stalls. Yes. On a Saturday. Yeah. And yet the previous day on Good Friday, I went to Stanford and I saw an absolute mass. Yes. A mass yes. of lovely stalls, mm. good nature, plenty of people. Yes. I thought, hang on, that's Lincolnshire, that's South Lincolnshire, that's 19 mile up the road. Why is it so different? Yes. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan, I have to say, Jeff, of having a town council. Mm. Always have been. Mm. I know it's political, I know it's constitutional, but, you know, it's put to the vote, and I think it was put to the vote by the council in 2017, where, for whatever reason, it was decided that they'll stick with the district. Um, but you look around us, Jeff, look at the towns. There aren't many that hasn't got a town council. Mm. Mm. And they can take the ownership yes. of these events. Yeah. And some of the issues affecting, you know, the retail side of things uh, and so forth. But I, I'm just deeply, deeply saddened to see shop after shop, pub after pub, closing down. Yes. It's awful. Um, you know, and people come here still, they move here from the south on the back of one thing and one thing only, cheaper property. Yeah, and I, I, I'm a southerner and I've done exactly that same yeah. thing. So, yes, um, yeah. it was, a, it was a, we went from here, we, we, I was born in Sidcup, we went, yeah. went down Kent. to Rochester yeah. where we were, when we married, uh, and then yeah. from there we went to a place called Haybridge Basin, which was yeah. Malden in Essex, and then up yeah. to here, which is, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and yes, it, it is. It, we, we were retiring at that point, you know, which is. Yeah. It, yeah. it isn't the end of life, it, it's just the beginning of a different no. life. Absolutely so. I mean, I'm younger than you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I just, you know, this is my home. Yeah. You know, this is the area where I was proud to say I come from... I know a lot of people would say, well, where the hell's Spalding? Never heard of it. But, you know, and you talk about South Holland and some people around the country, South Holland, what, what is that? You know, when you talk about the Fens and it's flat and there's loads of flowers, there's loads of agriculture going on, you know, you know and I know, this area has never been, never been hard up. Mm. Mm. Never. It's, mm. it's always thrived, you know, and, and, and people... Big companies have always been happy to contribute, like Backover, like Adams, like um, some of these big companies, like, um, you know, Broadgate Builders, all make contributions to events and so forth, and all have been happy to put their hands in the pockets and, and make donate. Absolutely fantastic. But it just seems to have, it's a flat spot. Mm. Mm. And that's really the nicest way I can say it. And I think somehow <laughs> I'm not going to put the blame. I'm not going to put anything down Friary Road, you know. But I do think the council have to shoulder some of the responsibility of bringing us back to the fore. Yes. Um, now, whatever their issues are with regards to finance and everything, you'll read in the paper every single week. Mm. We haven't got the money. We've lost this. We've lost that. We've got forty percent less allocation from the pot, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not so convinced myself. Um, I, I, I look know. back to my time in, in Midway Towns and the reason they invested in Dickens and various other big events was that uh, they wanted funding and they realised that cheap property wasn't the only thing that people wanted. Uh, if they wanted the best people that were actually going to develop the community, then you had to give them uh, uh, community events, community culture, you know, like a Stanford does. Um, yeah. 
to draw yeah. those sorts of people into your community who are going to be yeah. the leaders of tomorrow. Absolutely right. And I've always said it, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on the retail sector, but many years ago I worked in it mm. and I've, I've been familiar with, with what's going on with retail and I know it's difficult times for the retail. But when you look at a town centre like Spalding, which is not huge, you know, it's not a very big town centre, what you've got to look at is not retail. Retail does not bring people into town centres. Mm. It's other things. That's right. So you've got to have cinemas yeah you've got to have multifunctional centers where young people and old people and everybody alike has got something that is of interest to them that's right you know whether it's arts and the arts mm. south island south island center there's plenty to do with arts there you know you need nail bars you need workshops you need um all sorts for di different generations and that's what brings people into the town center on the top of good pubs good restaurants you know mm. and and Shops are just an add-on. Uh, absolutely right. To me. Yeah. You know, thank you. Um, thank you very, very much for talking to me. Uh, really good. Um, what I'll do is I'll put this uh, onto online. I'll send you yes. the link. You can then yes. listen it, read, listen to it all the way through. Uh, and yes. I keep it closed like that for the moment and if you're Absolutely. happy for it to, to have a wider distribution then I'll, I'll add it into the the rest of the pot no problem at all I, i'm quite happy to for anything to do with the parade to be um you know open to the public domain not obviously what we've just been talking about <laughs> but um you know yeah absolutely fine jeff thank you all very right much. lovely thank you bye-bye you take care yeah bye-bye bye-bye